0: Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. I I love the the Advent Sundays where we get to hear the, the prophetic words that were spoken in the Old Testament, sometimes hundreds of years before the time of Christ. It's amazing that Jesus' life actually embodied and fulfilled Words that were spoken hundreds of years earlier. The, the odds of that happening move the life of Jesus truly into the realm of miraculous. And just fantastic that Isaiah or Micah could say something several hundred years earlier, and it actually happens in the life of Christ. So I love hearing the Old Testament verses. For just a second here, I want to read a few verses, though, from some of the New Testament kind of classic Christmas passages. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18... It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And so God, the creator, was stepping into the human story. God the creator who made daughters and sons and family was stepping into human history to move the human story toward its purpose and toward its destiny. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly because he felt the way anybody would feel when they hear about this, that there was no way... That a creative act of God is actually what made Mary conceive. There's no possible way that God himself, through the Holy Spirit, was entering human history in this way. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And that's what the name Jesus means. It means the Lord saves. And wow, I so love that song that Isaiah and our team um, did at the end of their Remedy. I love that song. I love the line, here we are, here you are. Because the meeting of those two realities, the human condition and need and the promise and the potential of God in Jesus is explosive. It's transformative. He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. that... Is the title of our December Christmas series, God with Us? When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. And then Luke chapter 2 continues the Christmas narrative, and I'll continue reading here in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And if you're a little history nerd, um, you, you, you love these footnotes in the Bible. I, I love these little historical notes because they let us know that this stuff is not science fiction. It happened in a time, in a space, with witnesses, with people who could validate it or say this was crazy and it didn't actually happen. I love how the scripture integrates these little, these little notes. Everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Um, in these weeks of Advent, so the weeks leading up to Christmas, we'll be covering five themes. Hope, peace, joy, love, and Christ, or Jesus. Jesus. And we'll do that, that last theme on Christmas Eve in our services. Today, I want us to think for a few minutes about the idea of peace. Um, peace was the, the first prophetic promise attached to that angel's announcement of the birth of Jesus. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. H- have any of you ever water skied? Any water skiers here? I grew up in eastern Washington. I was born in San Gabriel, but my folks moved when I was really small. And I grew up on the Ponderé River. In fact, I have a picture of the Pondereray. Um, when I was a little kid, I lived near the river, but in high school we actually lived on two riverfront lots. This picture is it's literally right around the corner from where I grew up. So this is very close to where I lived. And I loved water skiing. I learned to ski when I was a child um, in a, a Royal Rangers camp out uh, in North Idaho. Royal Rangers is a Assemblies of God version of the Boy Scouts. You know how Christians always turn everything Christian, so... So these, these people wanted their kids to experience the Boy Scouts, but we got to Christianize it a little bit, so they created the Royal Rangers. And it was awesome. I was part of it for years and years. But at a Royal Rangers campout, we were at a lake called Priest Lake in North Idaho, and it was spectacular. Priest Lake is gigantic. In fact, we've, we've been there a million times with our girls and incredible family memories there. The lake was, was so big. It, it was enormous. In the middle of the lake, the water was so clean, you could drink the lake water. And it was so clear, you could see 50 feet down, like it was just a few inches. The lake was so big, though, that it was very prone to getting choppy and wavy. So any little bit of wind that kicked up the waves would start going. So avid skiers were always looking for the perfect conditions. And when they found the perfect conditions, they would say that the water was glass. And usually that happened early in the morning or later in the evening, and we'd be like, "Hey guys, it's like glass out there. We've, 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 we've got to go now. Let's get some runs in before it gets choppy. You ever seen waters that's like glass? We don't see that a whole lot here in the Pacific Ocean, but there are places where it's just untroubled, undisturbed glass. And that idea of water that's untroubled or undisturbed is the perfect visual for the New Testament idea of peace. In fact, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 6, when John is writing his experience of being caught up to heaven, he describes a sea of glass, or like glass, near the throne of God. Then later on in the book, at the end, in chapter 22, he sees the river of God, and he says the river of God was like crystal. So if water's like glass, if water's like crystal, it's clear, it's untroubled, it's undisturbed. And when Luke... The physician, he was a comrade of the Apostle Paul, when he was doing his investigation to to check out the validity of the claims of this story, that's what Luke is, he used a really interesting Greek word when he uh, said peace. The, The word that he used is the word irene, and I think it's very weird when preachers blurt out Greek words for no reason, so there's a reason I'm doing this. Do you see any English words in that Greek word? Oh, you guys are so awesome. Did somebody say serene? In the first service, everybody was like, Irene? Or <laughs> I see Renee? It took, like, it took about half an hour for somebody to see the, the English word serene there. Our English word serene or serenity comes from this. It's the idea of quietness or rest or tranquility. The human soul craves peace. And I think it's very interesting thinking of the human soul, that we ache for things that we've never experienced. How can you ache for something with a nostalgia if you've never fully touched it? Our world has never known peace, and yet we're aching for peace. I, I think the fact that we can long for something, if, if you had a, a terribly broken or a very fragmented family experience, you can ache for an experience that you've never even had. I think that's more than external forces putting pressure on us. I think we were made for something beyond this world. And at times, we touch a glimpse of it in this world. But we humans hate the opposite of peace. We hate anxiety. We hate being stressed. We hate being overwhelmed. And so I thought that today, as kind of a gift to to me and to all of us I thought I would ask if my and our dear friend Carol Montgomery would come join me and coach us a little bit today, so you can come on up, my friend, on how to walk in peace. I hope that the world that you're creating on the inside of you is marked by peace. You know, the world on the outside of us does not look serene. We're living in times that are the opposite of serene and serenity. So, um, Carol, thank you so much for being willing to talk to us. Uh, a couple of you were starting to clap. Did you want to do a little moment of, of we love you? So, how many of you know Carol? I
1: gotta look at that beasting back okay. there. <laughs>
0: so, so some of you know Carol. Nobody wanted to admit that they know her in the first service. Carol, if you don't know, if you don't know Carol, Carol is a marriage and family therapist, and I think that she's she knows all of the issues of most all of us in this church, but, um, but she's highly confidential. None of us know who's being seen, so nobody wanted to admit that, yes, I know her, I love her, she's saving my life, but, but Carol really is a, a, a wonderful um, therapist, wonderful counselor. She and her husband are a powerful duo. Neil, um, are you awake? You want to lift up your hand now? So Neil was a a pastor for 27 years before he transitioned into higher education. So they're a dynamic duo, powerful, powerful couple. And you've been a a wonderful friend to our church. Carol is so good at at sharing practical, um, psychological insights that get people unstuck. And so we want to talk for a few minutes about What robs us of our peace, and how do we recapture peace? And before we do, let me just give you one more commercial. This past year, here at Hope, we did some events called Third Sundays. So we did a few events on the third Sunday of the month where we gathered to talk about very practical subjects. We talked about understanding addiction, parenting adult children, and emotional and mental health. And Carol uh, was the subject of of one of those talks, but she attended all of them. And I noticed in the Q&A, if you were there, you may have noticed this. When we got to the Q&A, every time a question was raised, the whole room turned and looked at (laughs) Carol. So whether she was up here or back there, everybody wanted to know what Carol thought. And so I noticed that. And I asked Carol if she would be willing to partner with me this year. So we're going to co lead the third Sunday gatherings. And we're going to lead with a blend of therapy and theology. And we've got an incredible lineup of, um, of very real time practical things to talk about. Um, in January, so on the third Sunday of January, we're going to do um, Understanding Addiction Part Two. I'm bringing in a counselor who's unbelievable. The best addiction counselor I know. His name is Mohammed Shahisaman, and he is phenomenal. And, and I'll interview him, but we'll be there together. So um, that's going to be a great ministry for us. But Carol, thank you again. You're welcome. I, you love public speaking, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah. So this Just is your favorite? to
1: steal that microphone. And yeah, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but thank you for doing this. My and thank you yeah. for being willing to talk beyond yeah. your office. So, sure. okay, Carol, on a scale of one to 10, how much peace do you possess in your own life?
1: So I, I have found a path um, through some spiritual disciplines where I can touch it and access it really quickly on a daily basis, and I'm so grateful for that. Learned that years and years ago, and it's just been transformational. So I am able to really loom around that eight and nine, once in a while a 10. Um, I think 10 is kind of heaven. But um, yeah, and then there's situational things where that bumps down, and I got to work through that, and then, then we get back up again.
0: So we'll get into this in a little bit, I'm sure. But you're you're characterized by an eight or a nine, I think not because I think things are perfect around
1: you. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a decision to practice that and to do the things you need to do to clear out the smog and feel your peace. Yeah,
0: I love it. So, <laughs> how many hours have you been counseling?
1: Yeah, I I don't know how many clients. I will never know how many clients, but I f- was. Playing around with the numbers, I think I have seen 40,000 done 40,000 client hours to this in the 30 years I've been doing this.
0: 40,000 hours. Yeah. So the rule of thumb for becoming an expert is 10,000. So you spend 10,000 hours at anything, and you'll become an expert at that. So. In 40,000 hours of counseling, have you seen any common denominators of what robs peace? Because you you know when you're talking to somebody and you just think, oh, if I could only get them to do this, if I could just control your life and do this, your life would be better. Have you found common denominators that are robbing people of peace? And if so,
1: fire away. Oh,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: You can't help but pick up patterns over 40,000 hours (laughs) Um, in all kinds of areas. So I... um, I won't address the expert thing. But um, so when Chris said, let's do something on peace, um, I immediately said, okay, what have I noticed over the years that robs people of peace? So this was my quick list. I could probably add a few things even since this morning, Um, like your friend getting a bee sting, that's kind of, robs me of a little peace. (laughs) Um, So some of the things I came up with is Unfinished Situations. Um, Worry about the future and uh, fear and ruminating that does what if, what if, what if. Um, A backlog of negative emotions, so things like grief or resentment, hurt, anger, um, unresolved trauma and emotional pain, all that can cause, um, rob you of your peace. Overwhelm or distress that's chronic or even short term, uh, immediate loss of peace or long term loss of peace. Chronic symptoms like chronic pain and um, really bad draining relationships, ones that are maybe abusive or just difficult um, that, that take a lot from you. Uh, feeling out of control in general. Being easily offended. If you're someone who's always being offended, then you don't have peace. Um, worrying about what other th- others think, so that's when you are attaching your value and your worth to outside opinions. Um, And then excess in in lots of different forms, that can be um, alcohol or drugs, um, certain foods, material goods, Um, I I mentioned that I've been seeing, um, since cannabis was legalized, um, people have been treating anxiety with that, and in my hours of experience, I'm noticing that actually makes it worse, and sleep worse, helps tons with pain, but my people are not doing well with that. You know, trying to treat things, issues, and then the excess, and then we have new problems. Um, So medical conditions, lack of movement, um, your body was designed to move. When we don't move, we get stressed, it's our peace. Um, We were designed to socialize, so lack of socialization. Overstimulation, on the other hand. Mm -hmm. Um, Guilt, shame, um, lots of should language when we're living by kind of scrupulosity and rules and shoulds. That'll rob us of our peace. Um, unrealistic rules and expectations and addictions. So those were the ones I came up in like 90 seconds. That's just what I thought of.
0: What What in the world is scrupulosity?
1: Um, I didn't realize that rolled right out of my mouth.
0: <laughs> but, it, but it sounded important because should, yeah. should language. Yes. Talk about yes. that. Yes,
1: so scrupulosity is more common than we think, especially in the church because it's hidden there. Mm. Um, that's when I do excessive rituals to try and... Feel some peace, or feel so. I feel maybe um, I had a bad thought, so now I got to confess it over and over again, or um, I have to do mm-hmm. this. Yeah. You, you remember in some of the, the Catholic practices, mm-hmm. they did some penance. Yeah, some pretty difficult things. Um, so it's 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 making up these spiritual rules, habits, and compulsions, um, in in order to reduce anxiety. So. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's sneaky. You know, you think you're doing, because it it's good. Stuff. I have to tell some clients not to pray. That's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. But that prayer about that thing is feeding the obsession. And so it's, it's kind of scrupulous. Let's pray about something else, but not that.
0: It's hmm. really good. Yeah. Did you, I hope we caught that because that's a really good yeah. point. But you, m- most of the things you mentioned here, maybe, maybe two-thirds of them, are things that are outside of our control. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we can move. And I don't know if this is true, but I've, I keep reading and hearing that a, a vigorous workout equals the same amount of dopamine and, mm-hmm. and serotonin and all of that as a moderate mm-hmm. dose of prescribed antidepressants. Is that true?
1: Exercise is, is shown over and over again um, to yeah. help. Depression
0: okay. So we can yeah. move, we can do mm-hmm. things, but a lot of these things, sometimes chronic pain, I mean, you can move and sleep and do all the things you want, but you can't fix that. Unfinished situations, the future. So with with a lot of this being worry and stress about the future, can you talk to us about ruminating? You, you talked about those um, yeah. worrying about the future, because... It's normal to do that. You, right. you you, you, have a child you can't help. Your heart is walking around outside your body. Right. You, so how do you be normal and human, and when does it become excessive and destructive to peace?
1: Right. So um, ruminating, the COVID launched some things that I think came more to light that weren't there before. They were there before. We didn't see them because of... Um, of COVID and um, so that would be, ruminating would be I can't get the needle off the record. It just keeps looping around and round and round and round on this thought and it really disrupts your peace. And when that becomes pervasive, that was the word we were using, um, when it disrupts your life and it's preoccupying, that's when we gotta do something different. I can't stop thinking about this, this keeps interrupting. Um, it can be an intrusive thought, those are, those are also more common than, than you'd think. Um, where you have a real scary thought that just pops in, and then you ask yourself, what does that thought mean? And then now round we go. And so it's really hard, and, but it's, it's really common, and no one knows that because they don't talk about it, um, but it's super common.
0: So I think that word pervasive is helpful. Um, I, I remember the first R-rated movie I ever saw. My dad <laughs> let me see it. I was so excited to see an R-rated movie. It was rated R because it had one F word. That gave it an R rating back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, now we see the movie ratings and it's pervasive language, but the word we use is pervasive. So so w- when thoughts are pervasive, that's a sign that it's unhealthy.
1: Right. They, ju- they just won't go away. They're taking up too much airtime um, in our heads, and then maybe they're slowing us down in other areas or interrupting relationships, work, work. Um, all kinds of things. And so sometimes we're
0: pervasively worrying about real and good things. Yeah. Sometimes we're fantasizing about things that aren't even real. Right. But what do you do with pervasive thoughts?
1: That's that's when you uh, want to talk to someone who knows a little more about that. Um, and um, Howie Mandel, mm-hmm. he talks about, have you guys seen his commercial on OCD? Um, he actually talks about how a therapist, well-meaning therapist, can actually do the wrong thing and, and make it worse. And so when you have something like that going on, you wanna really make sure that you're being very honest and the person you're talking to knows what you're talking about, but definitely go talk to someone about that. It's so, help. there's so many resources out there, so many books, and it's so calming to know, oh my gosh, there must be a lot of people struggling with this because there's books on this and there's podcasts on this. And so, so if anything is pervasive, go, Go find your people and see who you need to go to, to to help bring you your peace back. That may be a medical intervention, a therapeutic intervention, or both, or just some new lifestyle habits. Yeah.
0: The reason I love doing talks like this in church is because um, we, we have a, a deep conviction here at Hope that, that God is the source of all healing, comfort and repair and restoration and recovery. So God is the healer and that healing ministry manifests in different ways. And in church, we tend to focus on the Bible, the prayer, the spiritual life side of things, but there's a whole other side that brings freedom and help, which is everything from lifestyle to napping, to friendship, to therapy. So I think this is really helpful. But can you, can you talk a bit about um, you, you mentioned unfinished situations, Mm -hmm. what would that mean? And what do we do with that?
1: Um, so um, let's go back to go, just anxiety in general. It has, I believe, and I, I know, I don't believe this, I just know that feelings are messengers. So things like anxiety is a messenger, and it might be giving the message that something's unfinished. So if that's the case, so we want to welcome the anxiety, even though it's uncomfortable, we want to give it a minute to share with us what it needs to share. And then we say, um, what's unfinished? So that might mean I need to go... Um, have a talk with someone. It might mean I've got to journal out some um, feelings I've been having or um, I, I forgot about this financial thing coming up. It could be anything, whatever's unfinished, to give yourself a chance to take care of it, if you can, if it's in your control.
0: Right, if you can.
1: If you can. I think
0: in the story of our life, a lot of us have a lot of periods. We've come to the end of certain things, but we also have a lot of commas. So since we're in process, what what, what if it's unfinished, it's a relationship, it's a situation, Mm -hmm. we can't bring closure Mm -hmm. because it's still in process, Mm -hmm. or whoever the other party is doesn't want Mm -hmm. to. How do we hold on to... Well, we're going to talk about how to hold on to peace, but... But how, how do you hold on to peace if something is unfinished?
1: Yeah, so learning to tolerate that it's unfinished. It's okay that it's not finished. It's And you care, that's the good thing. That's why it's disturbing you, because you care. So it's attached to your values about relationships and things you care about. And then the other thing would be to say, what can I do about this? So maybe there's things outside me I can't fix, but what can I do? So part of that's being present. What is instead of what about, what if what is and getting, getting there.
0: Okay. So, um, do therapy on me for a second. So, so (laughs) I'm worrying about this situation, this relationship. I can't control it. It's unresolved. It's, it's consuming my thoughts. It's pervasive. And I know that, and I'm a good Christian and, but I'm losing my peace.
1: What do I do? So I, I need a lot more information than that, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, I would wanna know if you've been checking in with your doctor and if everything's okay, how, how is your lifestyle habits, all of that, is everything in check, is it, is it biochemical, is it situational? Um, I think what you're saying is a situational issue here, I'm not sure. Um, sure. Okay, um, so it, it's, it's um, there's something unfinished and that's annoying me, but Staying present, right here, right now. Mm-hmm. What can I? What can I do? Um, I talked about like, uh, well, it's not an unfinished thing, but I talked about like people are so afraid of flying because they're afraid the plane's going to crash, right? And planes hardly ever crash. The little ones do, I guess, but the big ones <laughs> they hardly ever crash. And so it's learning how to say. Uh, That's a fear, I value my life, it's okay that I'm afraid. Um, I've got work to do, but the reality is right now the plane is flying fine, and there's turbulence, but the people in the cockpit are used to that. And so it's that perspective, bringing the perspective to now, right now, everything's okay, and I'm okay right now. So even though I can't finish, I'm gonna trust God that I'm gonna get from here to there right now. um, I'm doing the best I can, I'm okay. That's good.
0: You kind of hinted at the idea of mindfulness. Yes. That's a real buzzword in our culture, but you mentioned being present. Yes. What?
1: So mindfulness is a practice of being present without criticism. So that it, that is being here and now, this here now, um, because everything wants to take us backwards and forwards. If I go back, I get depressed and I feel resentful. If I go forward, I feel anxious. So we're going to get here. We're going to get here and now. And so that is, that is the mindfulness. And so when I notice oh, no, I'm worried about that plane trip again. Instead of being critical, like, oh, you idiot, you're worrying about that plane trip again, um, I want to say, okay, good, I noticed. It's bothering me again. Good for me. Let's go back to right now. I'm not on the plane right now. (laughs) Right now, I've got a really fun day ahead of me. And so it's learning how to do that, to stop and smell the roses. My... Baby boy's head and, um, and and the snuggles and all that comes with that. it. Just whatever it takes to get you here and now. Um, we just have in our society we've gotten so far from that, and um, I just think the Psalms are a lot about that too. Just really getting here and now. That's
0: so good. So you said mindfulness is being present to the moment without judgment. Mm-hmm. Let's do therapy on all of them okay. now. So so the holidays are approaching. <laughs> our adult children are coming home, Mm -hmm. it's possible that we're not totally happy about every single life decision that they're making Mm -hmm. right now. What would a Mm -hmm. mindfulness interaction look like?
1: So it's coming to terms, as all parents have to do, that we cannot control um, behavior and actions and feelings of our children as well as others. Um, even though I want to, um, I'm controlling that way, I cannot. So I'm gonna be the happiest when I just go ahead and stick to what I can control. So maybe I've got some difficult relationships coming to the gathering, I can't make them have a good time, I can't make them happy, I can't make their mood change. What I can do is give them a big hug, provide them a good meal, find all the good things I can to look for and do our best. That's all I can control. So I'm going to stick to what I can control. That's good.
0: So the emotion, in a sense, could be our friend. Uh, Emotions are, are, of course, they're so powerful, but I think emotions are like when you strike a match. You have the immediate flare-up, and then it kind of dies down. And sometimes even to say, I'm feeling a sensation in my body, and I do not like it, I'm uncomfortable, I want to get out of it, but it will pass. And so emotions aren't forever, right. but but you had mentioned before that they can almost be our friends because they can highlight, kind of like the light on a dashboard, they can exactly. highlight that something
1: is... They're a flashlight, yeah. Yeah, flashlight. Yeah. yeah. If you let them, you know, if you're afraid of them, then they become problematic. If you welcome them, that's a whole different thing. So, yeah. And then... Um, if you let yourself sit with it for a minute and try and explore it, understand it, maybe journal, you know, there's a million things we can do there. That's a whole other third Sunday. But <laughs> um, then um, you can pass through it. And and that's what's really nice when that can happen. I can pass through it. Now, the exception would be traumas. When um, you've had a trauma, it's stored in your brain differently. And so that can be touched and triggered and touched and triggered. And then that will disrupt your peace too. So that's a whole other road to go down to figure that That's out. That's
0: good. So uh, the, the, there's a, a sign of health that I've heard you share with people and you've shared with me is that we're healthy when our reaction to a moment matches the moment. So if a level four issue arises, I should get about as mad as a four. But if a four comes up and I'm as angry as a nine, something is off kilter. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you call that the gap. Can mm-hmm. you talk about that for a 2nd
1: yeah, I'm not gonna feel well when I am reacting on a level 10 to a level two stressor. You know, that inconsistency is not only gonna drive me crazy, it's gonna drive you crazy too. (laughs) And so um, we just really wanna watch that when we're, that's part of being emotionally responsible and emotionally mature. Um, Having a good EQ would be to say, is my reaction, I know it feels that way, but is that the reality? And so now we can apply perspective, we can look for cognitive distortions in our thinking, like all or nothing, or catastrophic thinking, or should statements, all those kinds of things that, that raise that number up. And yeah, and then we can get our perspective right and bring that number down.
0: That's so good. So all or nothing thinking, catastrophic thinking, intrusive thoughts, pervasive thoughts, these are all indicators that something is off, that's... um.
1: And you can't do it if you don't take a minute to just pause and go, wow, um, let me look at myself for a second. When I don't feel well, I wanna change you. <laughs> but what I really need to do is yeah. look inside.
0: So I'm feeling anxiety or fear about the future. So I, I welcome that as a friend. I feel the emotion. Okay, this is what I'm feeling. What is it telling me? I either need to do something proactively or I'm fixating on something beyond my control, or I'm no longer trusting Jesus, I'm no longer living according to his promise, and so I can regroup, mm-hmm. that's part of the... Um, talk about excess, I was intrigued with that one, that you said excess of any kind can can kill peace.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about excessive debt, that was one I forgot uh. to mention, that's a, that's a peace killer, okay. <laughs> um, um, excessive... Drinking, drugs, excessive stuff. I, I have that. I have too much stuff. Um, I, um, yeah, excess and really excessive stimulation. So that's one of the concerns about the video games is all that stimulation. It's fun for a while, but to really watch how excessive that is. And, um, and that excess can give you, uh, it can be addictive because it becomes a coping tool that actually works but then takes on a life of its own as being problematic. So that's tricky.
0: Yeah. So this is no big news. We all know our world is getting faster and faster and faster. So we had our little grandson the other day. He's super into the movie Elemental right now. So Jessica and I watched all the Pixar films when our girls were small. And now we're cycling back, mm-hmm. so it's the circle of mm-hmm. life. And these Pixar films are amazing. But I, I thought Ooh, he would probably love The Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. And so I watched the original jungle book from Disney for about two minutes. It is so boring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is
0: slow and so much music and mm-hmm. no action. And just the progression shows. And as as a kid, we had channel two, four, six, and sometimes seven, but we all mm-hmm. hated seven anyway. Mm. So but now we are drowning in content and a volume of what to view. And so yeah. we're gonna have to fight to hold on yeah. to our peace. So let's let's switch to that. Um Okay, so we're all traumatized by worry and anxiety and fear. Mm -hmm. How do we recapture our peace?
1: So there's lots of different ways we can do that. I made a quick list of that, too. Um, So um, one is to to do a check. Are are there excesses? Maybe I'm on my phone too much. I hate to say that. That's always a... People start looking at each other when I say that. <laughs> um, um, where, where, are, what's getting in the way of me practicing some good habits? Like, um, and to work both on the inside and the outside. So, um, nutrition we talked about, right? Um, um, good exercise, sleep is huge. Uh, so people that don't get enough sleep have a lot of anxiety. In fact, that's a form of um, Torture they do in prison camps. But then don't you get stressed out about not sleeping? Yeah. You lay in bed yeah, and I'm yeah, not sleeping so, and then I can't go. sleep. So. <laughs> there we go. So you got to work on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I forgot the original question. Just have you fix us. Cure okay, us. okay, okay, here I go. Um, so, how do we respond to um, the anxiety? Okay, um, so again, ask yourself is it biochemical? Is it something that um, needs a little more care than hanging with your besties and journaling and your, your, um, spiritual work. You you want all those things no matter what, but is it, is it biochemical? Does it need more intervention than that? So that is, um, your doctor, someone like me or a psychiatrist, um, and then all the, the body, mind, soul, and spirit stuff, um, taking care of the body. So what does that need? Does scan, is there anything needs to change? Do I need do I need to go to clean eating? Does, do I have a weird... F- I I got mango mouth all of a sudden. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's not pretty. But all of a sudden, uh, I ate a fresh mango, and my mouth went like this. <laughs> and I never had that before. So so now I've got to kind of watch what's... I found us in the poison ivy family. but um, <laughs> So there's just, there's just changes I have to make um, with my... A lot of changes I have to make with my body. Um, body, mind. So in the mind... Um, I've got to check my emotions or my thoughts. How am I thinking? Am I learning? Am I, am I staying up on stuff? Um, how are my thoughts? Are they healthy thoughts? Or are they riddled with some of those distortions I just rattled off? Where um, it changes my perspective and puts me in a negative space. I need to check those. I need to pause and do that. Um, body, mind, soul is the emotions. How am I feeling? Let me welcome my feelings. Um, let me learn from them. Let them be the messengers that they were intended to be and then, um, and learn about that. Um, And then the last, of course, is spirit. Most importantly, find spiritual disciplines, different ones really speak to different people, but it's so critical for your pieces to have those things in place on a daily basis to, to center us and be okay. That's good.
0: I love when you mention to find your pathway for spiritual disciplines. Um, we, there, there, are, there are the basics of worship Bible reading prayer but there, there's been a lot of theological work done on uh, what they call sacred pathways meaning different ways that people connect with God and there's like, like there's like nine different, Um, biblical, viable ways that we humans can connect with God. And sometimes it's very different. Sometimes it's not just a worship song or a prayer. You might be wired differently. And it's very liberating to know that it's okay if I connect with God through service or community or nature or um, serving a great cause. There's different ways that we connect. But what I feel like I'm hearing is, so life is kind of like this. It's, It's a gigantic up and down. Life is always tumultuous. It's normal, right, And what is what I'm hearing, that, that we feel some of that because we're going to be depressed, we're gonna be worried, we're gonna get a little bit manic at times, we're gonna be up and down. But if we are able through spiritual practices, through friendships, through relationships, through healthy living, if we're able to, to minimize the highs and lows and kind of stay like this, then we're normal. It's when we're not able to regulate that. Because you mentioned mm-hmm. emotional intelligence. We always think of emotional intelligence as I'm I'm able to key in on you, but isn't a part of it as self-regulating? That's a huge part so of it. So it's the ability mm-hmm. to know I am I'm you know going up and down when mm-hmm. I some something's not connected to mm-hmm. reality. So mm-hmm. or would it be true if if it's an incredible effort to be able to stay steady, those would be indicators that we need something more professional. Right. Because sometimes people well, do I need a therapist, or can I just figure this out? What about people who didn't have access to therapists? Are we all doomed, or can I? And, and no, we, we can find a lot of healing through scripture, prayer, practices. It's when we can't regulate, or it's too much effort to try, right? That and would we be, need the
1: help, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's spiritual practices and and those, those professionals, yeah. Yeah, things like um, the other, I made that other list of what, um, so what robs us of peace I gave you, and just a quick list that came to mind, what gives you peace is things like, um, like he said, sitting at the feet of Jesus, if you remember his barefoot sermon, that was pretty pretty clever of you. Um, but that's huge, you know, those are spiritual disciplines. Um, welcoming failure, failure is such a scary word, and it shouldn't be, it should be a friend. Um, Thomas Edison said, I've never failed, I've just made 10,000 mistakes, or, or um, what was it? 10,000.
0: Discovered 10,000 ways it
1: doesn't work. It doesn't work, that's it. 10,000 ways it doesn't work. Um, I think that's huge. Um, a football player quoted, um, we have wins and we have learning. That's such a great way to view that mistakes making so that doesn't rob you of your peace. Um, being present with the mindfulness we talked about and prayer and meditation and gratitude is huge. I forgot to mention that. Gratitude's huge. That, that actually changes our neural network when we start thinking about things we're, grat- we're grateful for. Lots of research on that one too. Um, being in nature, that's God's creation. That's his gift to you. So go enjoy that. Um, having a healthy self-confidence. Journaling we talked about. Um, that truer thinking to... So yes, the plane could crash, but what's truer? It's not right now. I'm fine right now. I have my water and my peanuts, and I'm good. You know, that's truer than I'm going to crash. That's in the future; it does not exist, um, and may never exist. Um, um, healthy conversations, and then we talked about exercise and good sleep.
0: If I'm Correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding of some of the research on gratitude is that gratitude is the number one indicator of how happy a person will be. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a friend who was not a grateful person and he realized it and he realized he needed to cultivate that in his life. And so he decided, I'm gonna say thank you for everything. I'm gonna say thank you for a clean t-shirt when I put it on. He would stand in line at the grocery store And if he didn't feel grateful by the time he got to the front, he would move to the back of the line, and he would stand there saying, thank you for the chance to be standing here. Thank you that I'm I'm inhaling breath into my lungs right now. And gratitude is truly transformative. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like the magic elixir for Mm -hmm. happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. So what, um, ah, we need to do third Sundays. Okay. And have more time. All right. (laughs) You're already doing it, but summarize, what what is a person of peace? Look like. What is it um, like to be around them?
1: People. Um, well, there's probably a bunch of you sitting here, um, and but um, the way I say it is, they're not the people that are running around like their hair is on fire. You know, they um, they are amazing in high stress situations, and they don't get re- emotionally reactive. They're not easily offended. They have joy. You can see. Um, I would say peace and joy hold hands all the time. Um, they are able to respond to difficult life's decisions with curiosity and wisdom. Um, emotional regulation we talked about. They have a quiet, a real quiet confidence about them that just makes you comfortable. And they're deeply spiritual.
0: So good. You just triggered a thought. I think. I think sometimes. Again, my understanding is people can have a, a natural disposition that lends itself to more peace or mm-hmm. happiness than mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah. And then I think sometimes people who are naturally more peaceful or optimistic, we can feel better about ourselves because we feel like we're we're always I'm an optimist, and actually it's physical, physiological. Yeah. Is right. that true?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's that too. And so you can, you can you mm-hmm. can
0: you can have a personality that lends itself to um, more seriousness or more um, more of the worry or anxiety, and that's not a bad thing. God gave us our personality for our calling. So both the strengths, the weaknesses, everything about you was given to you for what God wanted to do in your life. But but that might be helpful too to realize that sometimes um, sometimes my bent is just
1: yeah yeah especially people that come from families that have had terrible trauma like we see um, like some of the Russian Ingram, Ingram, um, immigrants. immigrants there it is and uh, the Jewish immigrants and then now like the the Viet, Vietnam Vietnam um, you know, all that during the war, it's their children. We see uh, the after effects being passed down. Their parents were so stressed, and they were always worried. And even when they got to a place of safety, they were worried, and the kids picked up on all that worry. So it's been passed down. So some of it's... And some of it could be thyroid. It could be hormones. It could be diabetes. It could, it could be so many things that cause it. So we just want to be responsible.
0: Yeah. Well, to, to wrap this up, the I don't think... I don't think being a marginal Christian, meaning if faith is on the sideline of our life, if it's something we dabble in, or I believe in it, but I don't, I don't really practice it. I don't think that marginal or nominal Christianity necessarily brings a lot of peace to our life. I think it's the experience of the presence of God. One of God's names in scripture, as, as was shared in Advent, is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. The closer we actually connect to God's presence, the more his peace fills us. And so I think it'd be worth saying that sin destroys peace. Um, Secrets that are damaging our soul on the inside destroy peace. You already mentioned excess. There are things that are allowable, but if we take them too far, they start to rob our peace. So I think that when we actually engage with this, Christianity is so amazing. Nobody regrets being like Jesus. You are not going to come home after a weekend and think, God, what was I thinking? Why did I have to act like Jesus? You're not going to ruin your life when you live the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, I have, I have such a hangover for being too Christ-like last night. That's, that's not how human life works. We were made for this stuff. We were designed to, to follow Jesus and become like Jesus. To the degree that we do, we walk in greater peace. Let me circle back to you mentioned Thomas Edison. And I want Carol to pray. So Thomas Edison experienced a fire in his shed. It was where his office was and a lot of his research work. Everything he had spent years working went up in flames. Gigantic fire. And the way he responded was so telling. He, he grabbed one of his kids and he goes, Quick, go get your mother. And then he said, she's from a small town. She's never seen a fire like this before. Mm -hmm. And gosh, talk about a a sense of health and peace and wonder. So I just want you to, would you just pray for us? You know, a lot of the things that we're talking about here, come on, come all the way forward. And why don't we all stand? Um, A lot of the things we're talking about are beyond our control. So we will do our part with the things that we can control. Would you just say a prayer over the parts of our lives that we're not able to control? Yeah,
1: yeah. God, you are so good. And I don't know how we would ever face the things both we can control and can't without you. And um, you are, uh, you give a peace that the world cannot know and does not know. And you are so generous with that. And I thank you for calling us um, to be your children and to be recipients of such great love and intention. I ask that that peace that does surpass all human understanding would guard our hearts and our minds and protect us um, through the power of your name. Um, I pray that you would teach us to be peaceful people, to have the courage to look at the areas where we need to change, uh, the habits we have, um, whether they're just bad habits all the way to addictions. God, give us the people and the courage and the the help we need to work through that. Um, Help us be humble and not be afraid of the areas that we have that are weak um, because those are the places you are so strong. So please take away any confusion or habits that rob us of being whole and rob us of being more like you because you are our endless resource and lead us um, to our own growth and then lead us to help others grow. Help us become helpful to others and healers of others, and most of all, peace givers. Um, I pray that's contagious in who we are and that this church is contagious in our peace and love. So thank you for being our God and our Savior our wonderful counselor, our everlasting love and wonderful safe place. So good.
0: So good. Let me ask you a PS question. You can start passing out the communion trays and just hold on to the elements when you receive them. And the way we do it here right now is there's two cups, so the bottom cup has a little wafer, so make sure you grab both cups when the tray goes by. But um, I forgot to ask you, since this is the holiday season, uh-huh. is there anything different to know regarding the holidays or is it just all of the above? Any, any specific it, holiday advice?
1: I think the big thing, should I share that thing that I shared last time about how we had a family, um, we had a gathering we had to go to that we were really, really nervous about. We We're walking into a situation that could go a million ways bad. (laughs) So terrible physical issues, terrible mental issues, and we just were nervous for two weeks, so we had to keep bouncing that off each other. And what we decided to do was figure out what we could control. And um, that was so helpful. Um, Neil wanted to focus on a certain family member and just love them, love them, love them. And I wanted to just scan for all that's good and elevate that and bring it to the attention. I couldn't control moods. I couldn't control feelings. I couldn't control schedules. There's so much I can't control, but what I can control, why don't I go ahead and do that and do it well? And um, so I think that, and then the other thing is a great season to practice mindfulness with all the lights and the sights and smells and sounds and um, just take it in and, and let, let this be a practice month where you're practicing just being very present with what is instead of what if.
0: So good. So Jessica and I have a statement we've been kicking around together about certain, just certain dynamics going on and, and settings we're going to be in. And we've been saying to each other, uh, we can't make this better, but we can make it worse. And I don't want to make it worse. So sometimes saying, I'm not going to make this worse is the best I can do in a given situation. And sometimes that's helpful. But Carol, thank you so much. You're so awesome. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you.